Okay. Episode six, we're rocking and rolling. We have Margarita Womack with Empanadas. It might soon be Mas Panadas. And then we have Dennis Silva Park City Group. As we all know, we jump right into this thing. Margarita, tell us a little bit about your brand. It looks delicious, of course. How did it get started? Who started it? Uh, give it to us. So I started this about three years ago with the idea of, I'm originally Colombian, so empanadas is something I grew up with. But when you're crazy running around, how much would you do? You don't have time to really cook and shop and do everything and have three kids also, and they're always hungry. So it was something simple that I could do at home and keep frozen and just pull up and put in the microwave, run out the door and realize, you know, I'm not the only one that's too busy to cook good food, but you can make these empanadas really wholesome version of them, maintain the portability, the ease, the convenience. So just give it a shot, see what happens. Uh, so I started it and I'm training science. So it's been a, a kind of a change of scenario. <laughs> And uh, now we're at a point where we have a food service line, we have a CPG line, and we're about, to, well, we started e-commerce, of course, with everything that's been going on, and about to start some private label. Very cool. So no, I mean, you do cook these. Where do you cook these, and how do you cook them? So actually, I'm at our facility right now. Okay. Uh, not great background, but uh, okay. totally it okay. better. It can't take the computer in there. So we have our own facility in Rockville, Maryland a 3,000 square foot kitchen where the magic happens. Uh, USDA spec is certified and uh, it, it's working out. We have that complex idea. You know, we, we run operations uh, that then gives us a little control, but it's a tough creature to manage. Now, are you cooking them? I mean, is it, is it a, a solo mission uh, as they say, or how do you get that done? I have seven people that work ah, here. Cool. Okay. And is the recipes, where did the recipes come from? Do you have multiple flavors? Uh, get, get, let, let, us, let us taste this thing real quick. <laughs> so there's nine flavors right now. Cool. And uh, they range from uh, breakfast empanadas to then vegan, vegetarian, to more your standard meat empanadas. And they're inspired in the traditional recipes, uh, but I combined them. It's a fusion version. I took elements from other countries other than Colombia and modernized them so that there's something that works for the American palate. Nice. Um, talk about distribution, and then I'm going to sort of walk ourselves into the current situation with COVID. Um, you currently sell in stores. These are frozen, so do they, are they found in the freezer aisle? Uh, and then it sounds like there is a direct-to-consumer play, which is kind of a separate item, but but you can get these shipped direct-to-consumer as well. Yes. So we have a the CPG line goes to, it's regional right now, though we're about to enter Northeast. So we're mid-Atlantic right now, and the next couple of months will be Northeast also at uh, natural and organic supermarkets. Though big deal, we're going to Giant uh, next, uh, starting regional next cool. month. Cool. And we distribute with a regional distributor called Rainforest. Uh, then we, because we also have food service that used to be our best uh, source of revenue. Uh -huh. uh, that uh, completely died, of course, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, that we distributed through a branch of Cisco that's regional and Cisco, and we had just onboarded with Warden Food. So it was quite promising. Sure. Well, you know, this is going to segue 
really nicely into what we are dealing with. All of us, uh, whether we're in food and beverage or, or any other type of business, uh, is being affected by COVID-19. Uh, starting, I'd say, early March, right? Early March to now, it's April 28th. Can you walk us through what that looked like, sort of, or what it does look like week to week for a business like yours? Uh, you talked food service. We know that's sort of almost been eliminated for many, uh, many food companies, uh, beverage companies like ours. Um, did is it a, was it a slow uh, a decrease in sales? And in which categories were you seeing it mostly? And how do you see yourself transitioning, sort of? out of this thing so to be honest it almost felt like the sky literally crashed us out of nowhere uh as i think was pretty much everybody's experience is something completely unexpected and it feels like it's a movie and therefore can't be real right uh and kind of slow to sink in what the consequences would be so for us food service practically closed down immediately so first week of March, we got our last order, very small order for an event that was still happening and then done, nothing else. And it was over 80% of our revenue. We were slowly growing the CPG line. We had the cash flow from a food service. So it gave us the chance to then make sure we had the right velocity and the, the right spread. Uh, we didn't need to push too hard. We produce ourselves. It's, it's something we could manage and uh, strategically let it go slowly and focus on the food service. So we had to completely switch. So week one, last order. Week two, okay, food service is gone. What are we gonna do to replace 80% of our revenue? Yeah. So um, turned on e-commerce, something very basic, what I could do myself uh, that we just upgraded. It took all that time to work with somebody and get things rolling in a more professional way. And that's little by little getting there, but it's not gonna get to 80% of our revenue sure. uh, anytime soon. And as a frozen product, there's several challenges in doing e-commerce that we're working through little by little, but then of course, uh, our products come at a premium. Then we focused on, well, okay, we still have CPG, of course not as immediately uh, demand as a frozen product that's made with all uh, premium ingredients. It's even our meat ones have at least 20% vegetables. So something that's actually nutritious for you, but you keep in the freezer, it's fast, easy. It's something that actually works really well with what people are looking for right now. So we started to see an increase in sales, but we were not quite ready for that. We had not planned for that, right? So there's things like you need more packaging. So, but you packaging what you order and you get it over here and then it's from China. So it gets stuck, it doesn't come in, it's still not here. So how do you manage through those? And the, the clear main effect for us from COVID-19 is that it magnified small problems we already had, they were there, they were latent, but then with this, they exploded. Mm -hmm. So, we barely made it every month. We had just sufficient cash flow to break even and in a good month, maybe go a little bit above, but it's barely there, it was too close. With COVID and that cash flow, done, right? <laughs> Nothing, we lost 30% of our revenue. Therefore, any kind of ability cushion to then take the upfront cost of pivoting, of running the e-commerce and then growing our CPG line. So that's really been the main challenge. So getting new packaging, then talking it to distributor, reaching out to new buyers, but buyers, 
yes, they're interested, it's something that's moving, but it's not really the right time to bring in a new product. So will they actually talk to you or not? So, but we've managed to grow the line so far doubling um, every month. And so I'm hopeful that it will work out. E-commerce has also grown. So I think if we make it through, and we're on the other side, we'll be in a stronger position. But right now it, it's dire for something so small. We're really just a microscopic company. It, it, it's really a killer. It's just all that effort, all that time, just because we have the orders, we have the orders, but I don't have money to pay the staff. I don't have money to buy ingredients. I've been putting them on a credit card and I've applied to absolutely every option that's out there. The PPP, the disaster loan, there's two from Netherlands, one from the county, and every possible private company out there that's offered something, but still nothing. Mm -hmm. So I have my staff uh, that are working at 50% pay, and uh, there's a great team that I can really rely on. That's been a wonderful thing, but we can only hold off for so long. Mm -hmm. uh, that is the, the realest and rawest moment. I, we have only done a few of these you know, to, to date. Um, and I have conversations offline with people that I know, um, and I want to just commend you on the uh, transparency there, because anyone who sees this, who's in your boat, even in, in mine, uh, we, we're collectively small business, doesn't even have to be food beverage, um, they will they will appreciate that because I do. And I want you to know that uh, things do come to mind and I'd like to take it offline later. Um, assisting in some ways, me connecting you with a few different people that I think could uh, help you just in strategy. Um, I, the takeaways um, are, are real. And I just want to comment quickly for those again, who are viewing this, you know, retail and buyers uh, pushing off meetings, of course, and, a resets, all of these things are being delayed. So that's one item. Two is, I'm going to kind of go up this curve is, is um, the food service for you. Um, some are in your boat. They had a majority of the business in food service and they're seeing the exact same thing. So you got to make these small pivots. It's not to say it's going to be gone forever, right? Always try to carry this optimism with it, which is we're just going to set it over to the side. And we know that when we get through this, it will slowly, slowly come back. So it's there, but we just got to put it to the side. So you've got to move into those other things that may be working. You said CBG talked about getting maybe on those shelves that are um, either already there uh, and or possibly looking at more regional plays. You noted distributors like uh, Rainforest, uh, more like a DSD, fantastic, right? Lean in there. Um, and, then, and then sort of coming up is direct to consumer. And I love hearing that you're figuring it out. Uh, isn't it interesting we get put in a position to have to figure something out um, when we are put up against the wall and that just shows your grit. So I commend you there too. Um, this is real. This is very real. And, and I, I just want to say again, that was an amazing uh, dialogue and people um, should appreciate that. Um, let's talk 12 months. Let's, let's say we're going to get through this. It's slowly happening. You know, you could feel it. A couple more weeks here, some SIP lifting per city, town, state, um, 
30 days, 60 days, we start coming out. Can you see yourself in 12 months from now? And if so, uh, with, with that positive can-do attitude getting over it, what does empanadas look like or maspanadas look like in 12 months? 12 months. So I think we'll be great. We'll be doing great. I expect that really, as you mentioned, food service will come back slowly. But from all the push we have done now, it made me think, uh, there's a saying in Colombia, la, la madre, oh, I forgot, but it's something around the mother of, yes, the mother of the imagination is necessity. So it really takes like, we, we just go by inertia, right? If it works, even if it's not perfect, it's fine. We just keep on going until you have something really uh, that gets in your way, that hurts, that just forces you to change. And you realize like, oh, it's actually much better now that I had to change. So I think it'll be a little bit like that. CPG will be in a so much stronger position than we first thought because of the pivot we were forced to do now. And also we'll have a strong e-commerce that was you know, in the back burner for later. We'll mm -hmm. take care of it, we'll get to it eventually. So once food service comes back, and I think we'll manage to get to a point where we can sustain ourselves just from CPG and e-commerce, then we'll, we'll, be, we'll be killing it actually. I love to hear that. And I'm pulling for you. And I know people watching this are gonna be pulling for you too. Um, I will throw your info there. Uh, we are going to transition here to Dennis Silva, Park City Group. You know the deal. You know how we get down at the end. Give it to us. What is Park City Group? What do you do? Who are you for? Sure do, Mark. And, and Margarita, what a, what a great story that really resonated with me. So thank you for sharing. And, and Mark, thanks for having me on. I, let me just say, I thoroughly enjoy your content. I love how you keep it real. And in an extraordinary time like this, you keep it positive. So, so from all of us who are fans, keep it up, Mike. Um, long story short, I've partnered with a couple of SaaS-based organizations. I do some consulting work and board work as well. But I've, I've partnered with some SaaS organizations that really help CPG companies drive top-line revenue and simultaneously improve the bottom line. Now, a lot of people say this, I can say it with confidence because frankly, I use the technology that I'm partnered with in a prior life when I was CEO running a food distributor, a DSD food distributor. So for context here, um, our distribution company was small. I love the small business environment. I've always rooted for the little guys. So my thing now in, in my current role, my current professional life is always trying to find creative ways to help the smaller business. So especially given COVID-19, I'd say um, two things I'd love to talk, talk about quickly, one from Park City Group, one from North Star Logistics. Um, for my distributor and manufacturer friends out there, and I'm looking at you, Mark, when I say this, we've developed essentially a flash reporting tool that essentially takes 30,000, that's 30,000 supplier and retailer connections and couples them together into what I call an executive level friendly snapshot. So in two minutes, seriously, in two minutes, you could see every SKU at every store every day. And it's not a busy analyst tool. There's no peeling back the onion. There's no week lag time or month lag time. So you close the books and you have to wait and then see what it is. It's not based off of shipments. It really drives the business where the business lies and that's in POS, point of sale data. Um, and perhaps what I like most about it is both these applications really is it's fully customizable it's one of the most affordable applications i've seen we all know the big guys i've used a lot of big guys um, and it's fast right that's the third thing it's fast so 
um, you know, there's, there's flash POS sales data out there that a lot of our clients are using right now. Frankly, there's an anomaly where everybody in, well, most people in food are driving, turning crazy volume, cycling intense volume. But then they're able to identify, okay, why is this particular skew or this particular store down? And they can have smart conversations. Let's say they have field sales reps. They can call up that field rep and say, hey, did I lose a tag? Is my competitor space in that item? Or they can go to the broker buyer and say, hey, I'm paying slotting or I'm, I have a promotional cadence with you. I'm not, I'm not seeing as much bang for my buck. Now, we all know those folks we can and can't do that with, but it's data that, that is, is real-time POS driven that isn't based on historical information, isn't based on sales. So you can really drive the conversation. Um, and, then, and then real quick, if I may, there's um, everybody seems to be into best practices of field sales optimization and field sales management tools. I've also utilized many of these tools in prior lives. Um, and my thing, again, going back to the small businesses, I've partnered with a couple of guys who are affordable, customizable, and really fast. So think about least cost routing coupled with load balancing, coupled with GPS tracking and geofencing and geocoding. So, you know, on, a, on an ROI basis, if you're looking at something, you can put a tool in if you're a distributor per se or a merchandising unit per se, that's gonna save miles about 10 to 15% per week. And our, our workforce, our people, they're the most expensive assets we have. Imagine organically creating another one to two to three stops per day that didn't exist before through the use of geofencing and, and lease cost routing and things mm -hmm. like that. So there's a lot of tools out there that are in their little silo, ELDs, route sales optimization, um, uh, route, route management, and we're kind of coupling those together um, in a couple different capacities. So um, wanted to share that. If you're in manufacturing for food, if you're in distribution, we would love to have a conversation. And Mark, again, I appreciate uh, you bringing me on the show today. I'm a big fan. And Margarita, what great story that really resonates with me. Appreciate it. Uh, absolutely awesome. Um, okay. Margarita Womack, Dennis Silva, information over here, there, there. Appreciate both of you. Uh, enjoy, be healthy, be safe, and we will talk soon. Take care.